welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film, The Holdovers, directed by Alexander Payne, starring Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with not a casual. I'm joined with Juzo Greenwood. Juzo, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well, Cameron. Thank you for having me back again. I guess chronologically this will come out before. Like We just recorded a podcast two days ago, but that will come out later. So. Good to see you again, even if it's over on the on the computer. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's funny because I, you know, the I cheekily refer to Isaac as the casual, but we've been thinking about it. He's watched a lot of movies now. I don't know if he deserves that label anymore. Does he? Is he he's he, seen enough. Is he graduated. Important. Yeah, yeah. He's seen enough of the so-called cinematic canon that he can. He's probably seen a lot more than most people. I guess that's how I would say it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I really do. Um, I wonder if uh, that means he just has a harder road for him ahead. We're going to watch like Come and See and. Uh, oh, we know, can go harder the... than that. <laughs> uh, you know, all the experimental movies. I should. Oh, I should. Uh, I should catch him up on, you know, the French experimental uh, movies well, of like, the 20th like, century like stan brackage and stuff like that like what is he gonna make of moth mm. you know i think i think <laughs> we were talking about the other day is like you know he's kind of you know he's he's gotten acclimated and i'm like nah there's we, we could go a lot further you know it's like he hasn't watched Mulholland drive <laughs> he hasn't watched the yeah, piano no, teacher it is true um i think there's a there's a fruitful road ahead for our friend isaac in terms of our mm. our tormenting of him uh, so yeah, I think I, I've that. been. I don't want to say I've been letting him off easy, uh, but in some ways I have because I also want to watch movies that I want to watch. So you know, I if I if I assign him a a movie that I can't stand, um, then I'll have a hard time uh, watching it myself. So yeah, that's true. You can't kind of like bring it on yourself as well if you. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why you'd want to go with the Lord of the Rings. In fact, I felt bad. I made Cameron watch Alien Three for our the last show we recorded, and um, I quite enjoyed watching it. But uh, Cameron did not find this homework uh, a nice use of his time. So I'd like to apologize, Cameron, that you had to watch that movie. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's it's it. Technically, it's been on my list because I I do want to be completionist. Although there are there are like directors where I'm okay with not watching like some of their movies where I'm like, yeah, do I need to see Spartacus? I don't know. Everybody says it kind of sucks, so I don't know if it's it you know if it's at the top of my <laughs> top of my list. You know. Um, well, speaking of which, I know um, we kind of were talking about it, but. Um, what did you end up watching since I last saw you? I know that was only two days ago, but maybe give us a short recap <laughs> of things that you've been consuming. What I've been seeing. Well, let's see. So the last time I saw you, oh no, I haven't seen anything since the last time I saw you because I was uh, I was cramming stuff in the night before, where I watched Benjamin Button. Also, mm. for I mean, this is it's not spoiler to say this is an episode about David Fincher movies. Um, I saw Maestro, new Bradley Cooper movie about Leonard Bernstein. Which I thought was okay. Mm. I was a little disappointed by just given everyone how much people liked it. It was, you know, it was well made and in parts and what have you, but wasn't crazy about it. Um, let's see. I've seen a lot of 
trying to cram in a lot of newer movies. I, I watched Leave the World Behind, which is by Sam Esmail. I'm not sure. If, have you watched Mr. Robot? The uh, yes. TV show? Yes, I have. Yeah. So I, I've the first like show. one or two seasons. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen that show, but he's he's actually a regular on the big picture podcast that I listen to. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting kind of small scale, very like Jordan Peele, M. Night Shyamalan-esque movie about uh, a small group of people in this sort of big house during some kind of uh, tumultuous time, I guess I'll say. Uh, with Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke and Mahershala Ali, and um, yeah, it's quite quite good, quite interesting movie. Um, I saw Fallen Leaves, Aki Kurosaki movie that was good, and then the biggest recommendation, and hopefully maybe we can do this uh, sometime soon uh, to talk about, is uh, I watched May December. I've actually I actually saw it twice in theaters, and I just think it's probably it it might be the best movie I've seen all year. Uh, it's Todd Haynes movie with Julianne Moore and. Um, Natalie Portman, Charles Melton. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say too much because it's a movie that it's really should just go in completely cold because I that's how I saw it and it was kind of blew me away. Um, but it's on Netflix now, so anyone listening, you could just uh, just check it out. Definitely, definitely worth your time. Uh, yeah, excellent movie. Before the uh, before the show, we we're catching up about how this year is kind of a really bad year for movies for just general releases. Um, partially, I mean, it's hard to say, obviously like there were really big movies this year. Um, you know, Oppenheimer, um, uh, killers of flower moon, but Juzo didn't like, uh, most of those, the ones that he was like highly excited for. So it's not Um, that I didn't even like, it's just that none of them were, none of them would come anywhere close to my top 10. I mean, I I like Oppenheimer quite a bit, but it's nowhere close to in my top 10. I think for a lot of people are saying quite the opposite. This is a, many people are saying this is the best year since COVID hit of movies because of Oppenheimer. A lot of people loved Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon and Barbie and all these movies, most of which I enjoyed, you know, The Killer, stuff like that. I enjoyed okay, but um, I just, I haven't been over the moon about anything really until I saw uh, the movie we're going to talk about, The Holdovers, and, uh, and then May December right after that. Um, a lot of stuff I've seen a few things I really liked like M. Night Shyamalan's movie Knock at the Cabin but I don't know for me personally it's been I haven't I don't know I think part of it is also the you know the theaters closing and I might just not be seeing the same variety of stuff I used to where you know I'd go out and check out something new someone I hadn't heard of you know it's it's a lot harder to justify that when you have to either you know take a bus to san rafael to do that or yeah you know sift through the infinite amount of stuff that's online um it's one of the benefits of having you know tons of screens in in your in your movie theaters is like and a variety in an art house movie theater is like a lot of stuff coming through that you can sort of check out um but it's also a little bit um you know programmed for you so could be that could be part of my lack of enthusiasm is is uh i'm i'm i you know i might just be missing stuff it's possible mm. um but yeah you i mean both of us have seen fewer and certainly you Cameron, have seen fewer <laughs> movies they have in a while also we used to go to more movies because you know we lived closer together and we would be more you know i think we'd be more inclined to go see a, the probably bad john woo movie that's in theaters now but it's like <laughs> if one of us has to drive an hour it's like doesn't feel quite as you know worth wasting on a bad movie 
Yeah, um, it is true. They, and, you know, to be fair, I think I do think this summer has been a really good, I think was a really good sort of movie season. Um, and then it really cooled off in like September, October. And now it's oh, yeah. like, feels like it's coming back. Um, yeah. So I, I'm still excited about um, like poor things I want to see. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely want to see. Um, have you heard anything about the Ferrari movie? I don't know if. I've heard uh, general, generally pretty good things about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely see it because yeah, know, Michael Mann Michael is Mann cool. Michael Mann return. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely not going to see Aquaman unless you drag me to it. But Oh, um... <laughs> we might have to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Well, I have not been watching much, but tonight, weirdly enough, um, I found out that HBO has like almost the whole collection. It's not the whole thing, but almost the whole collection of Mythbusters episodes. Um, and so I just oh. sat down and watched the handful of Mythbusters episodes, and it was amazing. That show is like literally so wonderful. It's it's one of the great things in the entire world of any not just movies or tv but anything and that's i'm so glad you're mentioning this because i had no idea and it's like my favorite thing to watch with my grandma because Mm. a lot of times i put stuff on and she's just like i don't like i just think i'm boring her put you know watching a lot of these movies but mythbusters is you cannot be bored watching that show it's (laughs) just completely entertaining um you don't have to be like comprehending the plot or the themes it's just like utter delight yeah so. no it, it's it's such a great show and i was commenting on because i don't think i was really cognizant necessarily uh whenever i was watching mythbusters as a as a kid right. um but it is a very like bay area centric oh, show yeah. you know yeah. they go to like monterey to like jump out of planes or they'll you know shoot stuff off in alameda or whatever you know so it's like it's just hilarious that they um you're like wow it's here there's oakland <laughs> you know it's, it's, yeah i think they know, blew up someone's funny. house in the bay area <laughs> they did or something <laughs> like that. or they dropped something in someone's house no, they shot a they shot a cannonball into someone's someone's oh, okay. house <laughs> luckily no one was injured i don't think right no yeah, yeah. okay geez that could have um, been a bad story if that happened <laughs> definitely but uh, um yeah but other than that um that's kind of how i've been we just saw each other we actually went to see this movie together and yes um yeah genuinely like we were talking about oh yeah go ahead oh no, no keep, yeah, keep going i tell, i'm gonna i have one other thing before the movie but go ahead yeah, yeah yeah well i was just gonna say we were talking about sort of christmasy movies um holiday movies um and how that was that was very popular at a certain time definitely when we were kids i mean there was a christmas movie that you know ended up being part of a you know home alone elf? or you oh, know okay. elf or you know the santa claus or you know any, anything like that um and that that phase has kind of gone away i would say there's not a lot of christmas movies um maybe we're just old maybe that's what it is we don't want to go see a christmas movie it could be i feel it. like it's pretty rare that like we see a movie nowadays like a new movie where you go this will enter the christmas canon you know yeah like elf was definitely was like that there's some movies that kind of become unofficially that like i think la la land is sort of semi in that category for me and my brother just because of the time we saw it but it's not really a christmas movie i kind of think green book actually is the closest thing recently <laughs> because that movie has such a warm 
Christmas and the way it ends and you know on, on Christmas Eve or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. has such a Christmas vibe to it. Um, I always argue the girl with the dragon tattoo is a great Christmas movie, but no one seems to agree <laughs> with me on that. Um, so, well, and and I was gonna say um, uh, a, a genuine Christmas movie uh, was Klaus that came over came out in I think twenty nineteen. Oh, um, that movie is actually really good. Um, oh, really? I, think, I haven't seen that. Huh? Yeah, it's got Norm Norm McDonald in it. Uh, oh, he plays my a, guy. Yeah, he plays a side character. Um, but genuinely, like it's a it's a very very what well, it, it's it is what you're looking for in terms of a Christmas movie. Um, oh, br- beautiful cool. animation too, and just just a lot of fun. So that is another one that I would recommend. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing I was just going to bring up as a complete tangent from, you know, before we completely get into the holdovers, just because I realized we, we hung out for like eight hours on, on uh, whatever this was, uh, Sunday, Saturday. And um, I realized we did not talk about something very important, which is the trailer for the new Mad Max Furiosa. Uh, yes, we did. We did. And uh, have you, did you see this trailer? I did. Yeah. Okay. What? What? How are you? What's? What's the vibe? How are you feeling about this? Um. Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, I. I actually. I. I don't want to say I saw the trailer. I did see the trailer. Technically, I watched it a little bit. I think I watched it on sound or without sound on Twitter or something. Okay. Um. So. So I don't like to watch trailers. You know, kind of my policy on it. Sure. Um. But I was curious about it, and I kind of just wanted to whet my appetite. Um. I don't know. For me, I am I'm excited about it. I'm excited about Furiosa. It looks like, you know, it'll bring me back into the Mad Max vibe. Um, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I think there are things he could do that could uh kind of ruin the movie. So I I just I'm hoping, you know, he I'm crossing my fingers. We did not like the genie movie that he made. Yeah, um, we were not crazy about three thousand <laughs> years of longing, though. I yeah. kind of, I'm curious to look at it again. Um, yeah, it's tough to to sort of because because Fury Road is such a, it's like a miracle. Every aspect of that movie is just like lightning in the bo- in a bottle. I mean, it's even yeah. lightning in a bottle for the Mad Max movies, which are like if, if you watch the first Mad Max, it's not even really like that even good of a movie. Um, the second one is pretty sick, actually, but. Um, it's not like George Miller. Every movie he's made is a. I mean, he, Mad Max Fury Road was a follow up to Happy Feet Two, which I haven't even seen, but most people yeah. don't seem to like. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, everything about it looks cool. I mean, I, I miss having Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron, but um, I like Anya Taylor Joy. Visually, it looks awesome. Like the trailer looks like all the stuff I'm looking for in a movie like this. I just I can't imagine it's not going to be fun at least. But um, yeah. I it's, it's I guess it's I'm I'm with you on like we gotta this is a big movie for us you know Mad Max it's the first thing we ever talked about the two of us and uh, you know one of the best films of 21st century I think Fury Road I mean um, so it's it's good to temper our expectations a little bit um, but of course I'll be it'll be a fun it'll be kind of a la- uh, few weeks after my birthday like unofficial birthday movie I think mm, um, yeah so obviously no I I mean I'm cool. I'm excited about it i can't wait to see it i'm gonna go see it in theaters that was a movie that like when it came out um yeah it was so weird i think that was my it was like the summer of my high school year or something or april of my high school yeah Yeah. um and 
it was just me and Isaac and JD. I think we just we just you know walked into the theaters. I had never seen a Mad Max movie. I didn't have any you know any familiarity. I didn't even watch the trailer or anything, and it just blew me away. So I, oh, that's man. why I'm like I'm tempering my expectations about about how you know how excited I want to be for Furiosa, just because it was a, such a genuinely amazing experience when I first saw it um, that I'm I'm a little afraid to to get so hyped for it um but we'll see yeah hopefully it'll be cool um all right should we move on to do we need to uh, plug the what's the thing patreon uh check us out on patreon ecfs productions <laughs> uh give us enormous sums of cash um <laughs> and uh subscribe like uh, what, i don't remember the other things were what do you call these wow, that was great um yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you want to write into the show, uh, please do. Oh, yeah. um, we would love to take questions. I think it's our <laughs> fans. Ne- our fans How neglect often? us. <laughs> we have to harass them. Has anyone but... other than Tim Smith sent in questions? No, ever? and I always ask you to send in questions too. I mean, technically, you're you know. <laughs> I, I I am still a patron, but I I don't. Uh, I never have any questions. I don't know. I. <laughs> Well, in any case, um, yeah. Why don't we Why don't we get into the holdovers? Um, we, I, just to preface, I guess, um, we did see uh, Alexander Payne's last movie in in theaters together. Yeah, that talk about like uh, having our expectations too high after a <laughs> yeah. stone cold masterpiece. Um, yeah, downsizing was kind of one of the big disappointments of. I don't know of, of any of our movie watching lives. I mean, because definitely his, the film before that, uh, Nebraska. I th- I think we watched that. Did we watch that in the dorm together? I mean, I saw. I think it we did. Yeah, out. but yeah, I think we both agreed. Nebraska is just a, a absolutely brilliant movie. Um, oh yeah, probably one of my favorite movies ever. Actually, um, so he you know he shook things up. He made a sci-fi comedy satire environmental. Uh, commentary um i respected the big swing but it just did not really connect Um, yeah and and it you know it doesn't really have great like reviews or anything we saw it um like before there were any reviews at all i think we saw it at like film festival or something Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so we we really did go in blind um (laughs) but uh yeah i don't know for me uh other than it being sort of weirdly um, like the premise kind of gets thrown out the window halfway through. Um, it also just is kind of a boring movie, you know, overall, <laughs> like it, it, you know, it doesn't have a lot. It doesn't have a lot of like life to it, you know, um, is what I thought. Which yeah. Is really weird for, you know, someone who, where like Nebraska is a very like down to earth humble kind of movie you know it's a very small story but it's it's really about the people and and downsizing was like i don't know they kind of threw that out a little bit you know it was it was a little more um yeah not not clear all of his movies have been pretty character centric either small character stories or um i mean sometimes they've been more sort of um uh, louder sort of character like uh comedies like election or, or citizen ruth but never anything of that kind of like high concept 
um, which I actually listened to him talking about in an interview. He just hated doing all that stuff. The VFX, everything about making a movie on that scale, he just hated. And he sounded like not very pleased with the movie in general, though maybe he was just talking about the response to downsizing. Um, Mm. But yeah, other than that movie, this is a guy, I, I think every one of his movies other than that is great. Citizen Ruth, Election, About Schmidt, Sideways, The Descendants. These are all movies, most of which are terrific. I mean, Sideways is one of the great movies. Election, I think, is one of the best films ever made. Um, so I was hoping the holdovers would be a return to form. And in many ways, it's a little bit of a scaling back to something a little bit more familiar, definitely in the Nebraska vein of a smaller character yeah. piece of char- uh, people connecting. And um, in a way, you feel bad a little bit saying, you know, a guy tries to spread his wings and, you know, do something a little bit different. And I go, I don't do that. And then he does something that's like the thing he, he did before. <laughs> you go, yeah, that, all right, that's what I want. You know, I need to work with Paul Giamatti again. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know how you can't. Uh, I just, you got to be honest. And, uh, you know, I just had an absolute lovely time watching the holdovers and, and thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I guess we should go mildly into the premise. Um, it takes place in sort of a boarding school in the 70s. Um, it, it has a very, you know, old school style in terms of filmmaking and in terms of just how the story goes and how sort of intimate everything is. Um, but yeah, it takes place in a boarding school. It follows uh, kind of a, 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 you know, a bit of a reclusive and uh, <laughs> angry uh, yeah. professor who, well, I guess teacher, just just teacher, um, yeah. who is yeah. punished for uh, <laughs> for failing a very you know uh high donating family's student right. um and he gets forced to uh hang out with the kids who are left at the boarding school for christmas break so all of the rejects basically yeah. um and through that you know he kind of uh builds a relationship and comes out of his shell a bit with um you know one of the the younger kids who you know we also learn a lot about throughout the movie and a lot of it is sort of their relationship growing on each other um but also being very you know uh (laughs) clashing uh just in terms of their you know their personalities and how curmudgeonly uh uh paul giamatti's character is and then how kind of um anxious and uh rash uh, Dominic Sessa's character is. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's also paired with um many great scenes by um uh her name in the movie is Mary Lamb, but um she's she's the cook. Actress is Divine Joy Randolph. Um mm-hmm. and she plays, you know, sort of a, a I guess I'll just say without spoiling anything, a, a grieving mother who mm-hmm. um you know is kind of uh you know still there and still trying to 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 steer the ship in a way but um is sort of going through this personal trauma through you know through her and and it plays a lot with the themes of um you know between those two characters and and she just has so many wonderful parts of the movie um uh is there anything else i i forgot or that we should preface i guess i think it's a it's 
pretty pretty much it. I mean, it's it's a pretty straightforward uh, movie. As I sort of alluded to earlier, it's not it's not a movie that's really breaking any new ground in terms of like characters or in terms of like what you're expecting from the story. Um, but I don't say that as a diss because it's like I was thinking I'd compare it to like like sometimes you go to a restaurant and you try something that's like oh, this is really weird and interesting and I've never tasted this before. But sometimes it's like you just want to go and have like some waffles and bacon, you know? And just <laughs> like, this is like a, the comforting familiarity. And I think mm. this movie um, is that, but it's also just done on such a high level of craft in terms of the writing, which is actually not pain. It's, he's working with this, I think, first time movie writer, uh, David Hemmingson. Um, and the performances of particularly that uh, trio uh, of actors are um really wonderful um and i think it kind of sneaks up on you because it's a movie i think early on i feel like both times i've watched even the second time i watched it it has a little bit of a sitcom vibe to it like it's a little goofier and it's there's it's there's there's a slight hokiness to it in terms of the writing and and, and paul giamatti is just such a like a uh close to a caricature of a of a curmudgeonly professor who every student hates um <laughs> and it's 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 kind of amusing but you're like oh is it is this all this movie's gonna be just everyone's kind of you know like a, a modern family episode or something which i actually I, I don't hate modern family but um it's it's a movie that i think deepens as it, as it goes on and as it as yep. it progresses it feels like pain kind of slims down the story just to the elements that are most interesting and that are most important until it really becomes something quite believable and quite real despite being still you know funny it's not I, it's, it's people described it as a comedy i don't know if i would say it's like a laugh out loud comedy throughout there's there's a lot of like wry humor to it but it's not a movie like it's not like the death of stalin or something where i'm like busting a gut every five minutes it's like you know, there's there's a quietness to it. It reminds me a little bit of Richard Linklater's movies, where it's kind mm. of a relaxing hangout vibe. Um, and then it's just like the evocation of the time and the place. And uh, I think that's the thing a lot of movies like this um, miss is, you know, having a sense of like a visual style and like decisions made about the way things look. A lot of times these movies can be shot in ways that seem quite generic and kind of uninteresting and in in this he really just through the way he shows the details of the rooms you get such a sense of this kind of cold and lonely place these characters are inhabiting but also the sense of warmth that is gained from the them connecting with each other um yeah yeah um yeah that's that's why i kind of said this was you know it reminds me both in style and in themes of, of a, 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 a an older movie, um, and I think purposefully so. I think it's sort of designed after movies that were made in this era, but very much following you know specific characters through um, you know kind of a simple journey, but really exploring, I guess the um, the depths of their character um, and. Yeah, and I I like what you said about how it kind of strips away all of the, um, the you know, sitcom elements or the sort of situational elements, um, and it really sort of affects you as it goes along, based on the the characters. You know, 
interplaying between each other. Um, and I like there's the you know there's a moment halfway through. This is not really a spoiler. Now I don't I don't know if you can spoil this movie necessarily, but um, maybe in some ways. Um, there there's a part in the middle which is you know set up comedically and it is very funny. Um, but uh, <laughs> where one of the um, one of the students who's you know supposed to be there that whole week. Um, his dad comes and flies a helicopter into the quad oh, and yeah. uh, picks up the rest of the kids, all but, uh, you know, this one kid. Um, Angus, yeah. Do- yeah, Dominic Sessa's character, who, um, you know, is is then left stuck uh, <laughs> miserably with with the old, you know, curmudgeon. And um, and that's that's in some ways, that's when the movie really kind of takes off. Um, because it's it's you know uh pun in, pun unintended but um oh, you know the movie yeah <laughs> the movie like really strips down um into the characters that we're you know that we really care about which is dominic um or angus tolly uh paul and and mary you know this sort of trio mm-hmm. that's um learning about themselves and about each other through uh you know, just being forced to be with each other. I think that's one thing that, um, uh, there's a type of movie that maybe like dog day afternoon and like other, other movies like that, where, um, it's movies that sort of force these characters into, into places and then kind of just Mm. let them run, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the, them playing on, on the rest of the characters, um, is kind of, part of the the intrigue and the drama of the movie i'm trying to think of other movies well, that are a, like that that's such a funny i mean a lot of people have compared this to hal ashby's movies and movies like the last detail where they have this kind of melancholy comedic vibe and like different types of people stuck together but the dog day afternoon comp is is kind of a good one because in 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 a sense it's about these people who are like forced they they by circumstance they're forced uh by proximity to hang out with each other and kind of gain a connection um you know obviously not not as tense a situation as dog day afternoon <laughs> yeah. but it is like not not dissimilar in terms of the the combination of antagonism and then like burgeoning um sense of empathy they have uh, for yeah. each other yeah. um and it's yeah it, it makes it quite i don't know i think the movie's balanced between uh, having this sort of warm-hearted feeling and like you walk away from it going oh that was lovely i'd like to watch that again but there is quite a sense of of harshness and melancholy and and sadness running through the movie as as well that makes it not um it takes it beyond what it could have been which is like a hallmark movie or like one of these kind of movies that's just like everything is nice and the edges are sanded off and um you know it's just happy people getting happier um this i don't know it, it has more complexity to it yeah we were talking uh right after we watched it and you said like you know there there is a version of this movie that would have been um just a very like sanitized uh you know happy story about it um but i think the way that it's written and the way that um giamatti plays it and the way especially that that dominic sessa plays it who we haven't mentioned but he is a first time actor this is yeah. you know yeah. he he was found i guess at uh, his, at the school that they filmed it at you know so he's a, he's someone who 
yeah. you know, genuinely has has zero acting experience, but plays a yeah. character other than school plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he plays a character that's very um, Im- embattled. You know, he's he's mm-hmm. someone who has um, turmoil going on, and and you kind of you start where uh, where Paul Giamatti's character starts, which is seeing kind of all of them as like you know little a holes, basically. <laughs> you know, you you, right. you start with this like they're all snobby. They're all you know these kind of rich kids. Um, they all have uh, you know have issues of you know paying attention or uh, you know being rude to each other or whatever. Um, so you do kind of start at, at his perspective and, uh, then through, you know, through their, their portrayals, um, you see a lot more and you kind of dive deeper into these characters and you also Mm -hmm. see it's, it's the same, you know, you have the same perspective about Paul Giamatti's character. You know, you see him as the sort of one dimensional cranky, uh, like you said, stereotypical, um, you know, uh, just just awful teacher. You know, someone who is dry and snooty. You know, <laughs> someone yeah. who who has you know kind of a disdain for all the students, a, a very open contempt almost. <laughs> yeah, at times, and I uh, I like that he's yeah. It's it's a great. Uh, it almost feels like there's a self awareness to it, not only in the way he's playing it, but the way the character is almost. It's like he knows his sort of lot in life, and he knows everyone hates him. And it's sort of like hmm. you, you encounter people like this who almost like play up the "I'm this fuddy duddy guy who you know wishes <laughs> I lived in Roman times or whatever," um, and 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 sort of you like you know like this is who I am. I you know I I'll, I'll just ex- I'll just take this caricature that you've put on me and just play it up since i don't really have anything else to uh any any way else to relate to all these kids that i hate and he and uh, you know in a lot of ways he likes being the heel um he likes being the the teacher that all the students can't stand who gives them all f's you know who's who's you know he he's you know because he thinks that's what they deserve too you know he's got like sort of a a righteousness about him, a moral code where he's like, well, you know, if they were more respectful, if they did better, if they blah, 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 you know, they have it too good. They don't know what some people have come from. So I'm going to, you know, make their lives miserable because that's what will, you know, beat it out of them. Um, And I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like that portrayal, you know, you start off with the simple part of that character and then as the movie goes along it really does grow and there's even you know changes in sort of the first half of the movie too where you see him as very um unusually compassionate towards mary you know Mm -hmm. having a a, just a really strong reaction about uh, you know some slight that one of the other kids you know makes towards her um and you know being very defensive about about her role and her, you know, position. And I think that's a really interesting color to the, uh, you know, starting to the start where, you know, they, he sees everybody as kind of 
he, he even like fights with the print the 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 dean the headmaster or whatever yeah who, he who's fights, a former student yeah 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 he even fights with with him at the at the beginning of the movie um but he shows this sort of great sense of compassion you know partially because you know he kind of understands her and you get to see more of that later but um i love that sort of flash of of color at the beginning and then you know at the same time they do it with it, the movie is very much about the parallel storylines and kind of having those beats for both characters mm-hmm. um but you see that with with angus as well where he sort of takes compassion on on a younger student who you know oh yeah is is extremely lonely and you know his, his family's in korea and he has nowhere to go and um you know the kid has a nightmare and what's the bed and he you know he helps clean it up and you know is very is very understanding about about that where a lot of the other boys might you know might have made fun of him and might have bullied right. him right that's an interesting um, thing that's nice about the movie is that he's yeah, you both of them you see very prickly, except in these, you know, Jamadi with Mary and Sasa with this kid. Um, but I think I think it is particularly unusual with these a movie like this where the kid is so prickly and just it might yeah. just be partly like he's he's a a first time actor and he just has a certain like quality that's not a like child actor who's really sort of wants ever wants to be nice and wants everyone to like them you get this a lot with like kid actors is they're they're kind of overly cutesy or that sort of thing um this is a guy he feels like a real guy who's gone through some stuff yeah and, like you um, think about um kevin in uh in home alone where like the beginning he is he is supposed to be played as this that's this type of character where he's supposed to be sort of um well, everybody hates him. You know, that's like the start of the movie. Everybody, everybody hates him. But in some ways, it's it's undeserved, and you feel like a sense of un, of like you know, there's like a uh, <laughs> you know, it feels it feels like they're being unjust with their their hatred of Kevin, right? Um, whereas like this, you're like, I don't know, he is kind of he is kind of mean, you know, (laughs) Angus, and he is kind of a jerk sometimes to the other kids. Um, Yeah. He's very standoffish. Yeah. Just, just not super sociable. And, and I don't know, just, just, you know, in this, and in the same way, and that's the sort of the parallel they're making between them. Again, it's like all the stuff you can see see from a mile away. (laughs) You know, when you say it out loud, it sounds so kind of generic, but I don't know. I think just because of how they, the chemistry he the Sessa and and Giamatti have and it's almost kind of you is mirrors the movie itself where it's like he's the first time actor Giamatti is a legendary long time actor sort of he's probably taking him under his wing off you know off camera just as he is in in as the character um mm. it just really it just really works in a way that that I think a lesser filmmaker might have leaned too much into the cliches or too much into the um I don't know, like the cuteness of the situation, and yeah. um, it, it, he preserves the 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 edge these guys have even even till the end, even till the very last moments with Giamatti preserves that edge, which is a, a nice little ending. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's lovely. And and 
God, we not enough good things I could say about Divine Joy Randolph as well, who's just right, wonderful, and and also doesn't play up the. It doesn't feel like uh, she and Pain don't play with your sympathies too much because it's such a like a sympathetic character. You could really go lean into the sentimentality there, but it feels like a very real portrayal of someone who's like deeply deeply traumatized by what's happened to her but also it's just like i just want to keep moving i want to keep working and just kind of like work through this and and uh keep living her life um and i they're just so many lovely scenes with the three of them bouncing off each other um it's really yeah. wonderful well and and i like i like how they're all positioned too where um giamatti's character is very um seemingly comfortable and almost like unwilling to change you know but his his life really truly has kind of like run aground you know he's Mm -hmm. he's unmarried he's living at school um teaching high school kids you know he is he's really stuck in where he is um Mm -hmm. and then uh mary her character she's uh someone who wants to who who is stuck where she is but she wants to move forward she wants to move past um Mm. she's trying to you know it's revealed later but she's trying to to go to college and get educated and you know move on in her in her life um and then angus is someone who has it's almost like he's 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 too unstuck he's afraid to be floating off in the wind he needs something that is is going to tie him down his biggest fear is that he um you know gets sent off to military school because he gets kicked out of out of um out of barton and Mm -hmm. you know so there's this there's this sense between all three of them where it's like one doesn't want to move one is trying to to stay grounded one is Mm -hmm. trying to move forward you know so all three of them have these different perspectives and it just is wonderful how how they all blend into each other um and I, I, I do love, you know, I think probably the best scene, well, I don't know, arguably, one of the best scenes is they go to a party um, in, you know, in the middle of the movie, and it's kind of a local, um, I, I think she's the secretary or something for the mm-hmm. school, and, and so there's, you know, other people there, but, but you know, they're kind of the only ones from school, and um and Mary has this just very emotional moment. Um, and, you know, there's, there's this kind of sense of, of, you know, that's where they, that's where things start to break down. The, the barriers between these characters start to break down and they start to understand each other more, you know, they start to have a little more compassion for each other. Um, just in terms of, of, you know, how everyone sees, um sees where they are um right. yeah i just i just love that i love that scene um you know partially just i think because of divine joy randolph's performance is you know it really really carries um throughout the whole sequence and then also you know they're all having their own you know arcs in, in yeah, the scene. yeah well the party is going very differently for each one of them yeah yeah, yeah. um and so there's just this this sense of uh you know everybody is um everybody is kind of disjointed but they all sort of come back 
together when when there's a time of need um you know it it's just very like it's it's very very well done um yeah yeah, yeah. really great and giamatti with his the teacher who that woman who he sort of has a crush <laughs> on and like how that plays out is so great there's a part that really reminds me of sideways where he she she kisses him under just like because there's mistletoe like gives him a little kiss on the cheek and he's and he's like oh well and then he starts doing this whole monologue about how mistletoe <laughs> it reminds him of something like marcus aurelius wrote about or whatever and uh it's just so reminds me of that character in sideways who just everything has to connect back to his obsession with wine you know um which uh, let's be honest i i certainly can relate to this in terms of someone who relates everything in my own life to something i'm obsessed with um so that's great and and i'd really do enjoy that throughout the movie that he's always has some reference or some latin turn of phrase that of course means nothing to <laughs> almost anyone who he says it to um, i know but there's a great there's a great <laughs> a great comedic sequence where they're in boston hanging out and they're going they're at this um it's like small bowling i don't even know what it is oh, um, yeah, i think a uh, candle pin bowling yeah 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 um <laughs> And and the two guys at the bar are like, you know, people say that, you know, this is easier, but what do they know? You know, and then, yeah. and then he's like, ah, you know, and he starts to go into this like well, diatribe. Santa Claus, right? Is that what yes, you're yes, talking about? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the diatribe about, about how Santa Claus was, you know, he should be wearing a robe and sandals. And I just look at him like... <laughs> like he's he's nuts you know it's just yeah it's just i mean it, it's it's almost on the line of like so silly or so kind of like hokey into the sitcom level but i I just think it's very funny or also just there's just parts about him and his the way he plays the character that almost feels like i don't know maybe it's just like he's lived by himself or he's been so kind of cut off from society that the way he behaves the way he talks to people is so much kind of literary based and so much kind of um it's just slightly off of the the natural way people talk to each other like when they're sitting watching the movie and he, he turns to dominic sessa in the movie theater and he's like not only is this entertaining but this reminds me you know this is a, a very accurate uh, portrayal <laughs> of life on the reservation you know it's like and then everyone's like the guy's shushing him and he like tells the guy to like basically f off and uh he starts like smoking his pipe like lighting up and i mean it's like some of the worst theater behavior i mean i'd be enraged if i sat near him but uh, I, well i wonder if that was more normal the the smoking in the theater i think you could do it's that. true no one reacts to the smoking actually. yeah that's that's probably true god <laughs> yeah those are yeah the good old days i guess also I they're watching a wonderful movie called little big man which is mm. arthur penn's follow-up to bonnie and clyde uh that's a ah. great great movie um and uh yeah there's just there's there's so many great i mean maybe we should put on the spoiler label a little bit so if we want to get into some of the scenes as the movie goes on because i mean i was just on cloud nine when they took their trip to boston yeah and they're in that car and he starts using pain uses he has the same composers nebraska and he, he the piece is almost like just like the theme for nebraska which is like really a soundtrack i listen to all the time to this day um and it's like oh man we're doing we're doing the road trip we're doing the alexander Payne thing you know with the with the mark orton music and the kind of he has such a great way of sort of conveying uh travel in his movies he likes using dissolves like there's something really just kind of lovely about it um and also leads to that great scene with 
um, Mary where she visits her sister and sort of yeah. has this emotional moment with her, her son's um, baby clothes, I guess. Um, yeah. And then it transitions to sort of a like a happy moment between the two of them. I just thought that was I mean, was no with no dialogue, just such a beautiful way of showing this sort of relationship and the the push and pull of of just absolute devastation, and then sort of returning to the normalcy, which is kind of a part of what's happening for all the characters in the movies. Um, being you know being weighed down by these things in their lives, but also sort of working through them through the connections uh, they make with each other. Um, yeah, it's really, really lovely. Any other yeah. highlights for you? Uh, you want to talk about? Um, no, well, I guess we should sort of get into spoilers. I, I mean, we kind of almost already did, but I, I feel like, oh, I thought um, we were, yeah, yeah, I, I'd say, um, it's worth a watch, so you know, no, no reason not to, um, not to watch the movie. And even if the, I, I do feel like it's a hard movie to spoil because so much of it is on the performances and on the feeling and just the general um, aesthetic of the movie. That you know, it's hard to, hard to get anything really spoiled. It's not. This is not a movie of a, like a Usual Suspects twist yeah like, this yeah. is not that kind of movie it's a nice it's a hangout movie you know and yeah uh, yeah it's a, it's a lovely hang yeah um yeah so i guess um let's see with their trip to boston i i do really love you know they sort of set it up at the party scene but you know he uh you don't find out later but he brings you know his dad uh um what are those called the snowmobile snow, snow, or snow globes Snow globe, yeah, yeah. snowmobile. Uh, <laughs> um, snowmobile would be much larger. <laughs> hard, to, hard to sneak in. But I love that scene. You know, after they oh, yeah. after they go to the theater, they, um, you know, he sort of sneaks out in the middle, and he he's hailing a taxi, um, and Paul Giamatti comes out and and is kind of berating him. Um, and before this, he he lied and you know said that his his father was dead. But, you know, as you find out, his his father um, is in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, he he's trying to sneak away to go see his dad. Um, but, you know, you know, they have this great scene where, you know, he's, you know, he's about to run away and Paul Giamatti's so mad. Um, and then, you know, when he says he, he wants he just needs to see his dad there's like a softness that comes mm-hmm. between them and it's just yes. played so well beautiful um yeah another scene that is you know that kind of shifting of their relationship is um when paul giamatti lies to the old um oh, his, college his, student his college uh, buddy yeah yeah right. yeah um lies about where you know what he's doing for work um and and uh Angus kind of plays along and is, you know, in character as his nephew or whatever. And um, you know, it's it's a great sequence, but I, I love afterwards they go into sort of a liquor store and he's he's, you know, ragingly trying to to get his uh Jim Beam so that, you know, he can he can wash away the <laughs> the shame of what he did and um they just have this, 
this amazing dialogue sequence where they're going back and forth between the shelves. It's really uh, a great scene. And and, and Jamadi is really great because he's almost like bemused by telling this story of uh, what he did in college and why he got kicked <laughs> out. Like it's it's really delightful and, and kind of great uh, filmmaking too. I think it's done in just one take. It's like one take and then there's a cut and there's a great just punchline to that scene with the, with the uh, shopkeeper who I think was the real shopkeeper who worked there. Um, it's a really nice little, little, little moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great, great moment for them kind of connecting and him kind of going because the, early in the movie, he say like Barton men don't lie. And then he, here he is yeah. lying to his, his old buddy in college or classmate. Um, yeah, that's really, really a great scene. I really yeah. love the scene. Actually, we're talking about him, the mental hospital, the, the part where um, the scene after that is also, Yes. I mean that's just another scene where he just holds the camera all on this this young first time actor, you know, where he's he's basically talking about his father and his, you know, sort of really it's like the first moment of him like really like putting the cards on the table of the stuff that's really troubling him. And Jamadi, you don't even see him until like maybe two minutes into the scene. Um so it's all on Sessa that moment. And um he just pulls it off. Uh beautifully it's, it's a really touching scene and then also that follows is followed by the cherry's jubilee thing which i think is like so wonderful <laughs> yeah <kids>. yeah <laughs> they, they go into jubilee. a they go into a um, um like a fancier restaurant um and yeah. the uh, the waitress is very being very snobby about the fact that there's alcohol in Jerry's Jubilee. Um, so they, <laughs> uh, Mary is like, "Well, do you have ice cream? Do you have cherries? Can you can you put it in a box to go?" And they go yeah. out in the parking lot and drown it with uh, with bourbon, <laughs> just with his flask, yeah. light it on fire, um, and, and it then is, they can't it put hilarious. it out. It's it's a great moment. I I love this sort of moment because it's both. It almost gets me like choked up because it's such a sweet moment between the three of them. But it's yeah. also just very funny where Jamadi's yeah. like trying to put the thing out and it won't go out. Um, <laughs> I just, I just think it's it's wonderful. And it's also a great moment of of Jamadi kind of like his character shifting in terms of like he starts like really getting angry at this at this waitress that she won't give this guy boot you know after earlier in the movie being obviously refusing to let the kid buy alcohol and being just this kind of like incredibly annoying stickler to the rules um yeah it's really great and also they have that part of the firecracker and the new year's yeah yeah i swear any movie plays old lang sign is like every time i hear that in a movie i'm like this is a great scene i love this you know <laughs> i mean you'll never top it's a wonderful life but every movie i've seen that in it's great yeah um, um well i don't know i mean i think i think genuinely you know the movie is is very much about them um opening up to each other and you know becoming sort of this um mentor mentee and or father son you know type of duo um and then you know at the end paul giamatti makes a, a very large sacrifice you know essentially to save the future of of this kid um and you know in in a lot of ways it's a very um you know, it's 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 unlocking that um, part of Giamatti's character where it's it's you know it's sort of setting him loose now 
from sort of what's been holding him back in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in his right. life. Um, yeah. Also, like, I think I think key to his character is the fact that, as he explains when he, you know, talks about why he was kicked out of Harvard, um, he, you know, he, he, there's a sense of like, well, I'm worthless without Barton because they're the only ones who would hire me now. You know, I mm-hmm. got kicked out of Harvard uh for plagiarism you know and then it also it it also unlocks a sense of why he's such a stickler for kids who um you know are the the you know muddied people they've got a name on the on the school or something you know they you know they're the people who have massive influence um you know, it, and he has a has a hatred kind of for them because of his experience that he had in Harvard. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it does feel um, at the end of the movie, it feels like the the baggage or, you know, whatever has been holding him back in, in his life for 40 years or whatever at this point is kind of letting him loose. Now he's able to go maybe do something more important or more, you know, fulfilling in his life. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do love that sort of character growth for him. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just so. a, a great, such a great transformation he has over the course of the movie and the way his, he softens, um, that, that person is just, I mean, it's really kind of like one of my favorite performances I've seen all year. I think he's just wonderful that whole epilogue like after the, all the kids come back and that whole scene where he uh, basically gets where he lies and gets fired um i was, I was curious what you thought of that because i felt like I, the first time i saw it i wasn't sure if i thought it was a little too neat or too kind of pat i liked it a lot more the second time though so I, i'm not sure if i i think it's kind of great no i i yeah i like it i think in terms of sort of his character he does need something you need something that sort of changes him or you know he makes a critical decision in the end um and i think it's great that he you know the the one that he makes is about um you know is about this kid who he's grown a fondness to and Mm -hmm. i also like how right before that you know he walks in and he's just as much of a stick of a stick in the mud as he was you know at the beginning and so his change isn't really the outwardness of his expression towards the kids but it's kind of an inside knowledge about him with him and and with angus you know there's this right sense of you know there's kind of a wink between them where it's like now you're kind of playing a character and i know you know it's like huh we've grown a fondness and I've opened up to you and I understand you more now. Um, but you're, you're talking about of, the classroom. You're putting on a show. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He doesn't really, he's still kind of a jerk to the rest of the kids, but that's right. He has a little, there's a little look between them. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, but I like that. I like that. He's, he still kind of has this, um, not, not sense of entitlement, but just, you know, he's very much, still in this principled sense where he's like yeah i have to i have to treat these kids a certain way um but because they've had this sort of special bond him and angus um there's like a little more insight into that you know? mm-hmm. yeah um, and i love the last scene uh between them like as he's departing yeah. i think that's a really wonderful moment between them doesn't go too sentimental too sappy 
it's just sort of like you got this sort of i don't know i just think it's really touching um and then him spitting out the thing is really funny (laughs) or just a great kind of like it's like a f you to the guy basically like i stole your booze and i didn't even i'm not even (laughs) gonna drink i'm just gonna spit it out um yeah so that's that's great no, um, I, I I think it's it's a wonderful movie. Um, and as we were saying, it is very much a Christmas movie. Um, you know, it has a, a feeling of of cold but warm, cold cold outdoors but warm indoors. You know, it's got that um, that feeling, and it goes through a sort of um, classic Christmassy change in a in a person. You know um he oh, yeah, is yeah. The like ebenezer the, uh, scrooge exactly of, you know of of the school and it kind of opens him up this experience so i do love that um, right yeah and yeah. it was just a lovely film with so many i was thinking of like just the, the, the it's filled with with so many quiet moments of i mean there's yeah. some big comic moments we didn't even talk about the kid dislocating his shoulder which i, I was not expecting the gnarliest moment of any movie this year to be in this movie <laughs> but when he has to reset his arm the first time i saw true, it i was yeah. like oh, oh um but that aside which is or he, funny. He, there's a moment where he takes his shirt off and it's yeah. like yeah it's it is pretty it's <laughs> I don't know. That actually looks pretty gnarly. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the maybe, some people can just do that. I wonder if Seth, yeah, or, or or it's just a really good appliance or special effect. Um, yeah. But I was going to talk about on the flip side of that stuff, like um, where Jimati and Define Joy Randolph are just sitting and watching television. I mean, that reminded me of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like that coziness mm. of just even just. I feel like there's one shot; it just lingers, and you're just watching the TV. It's like you're just watching it with them. They're watching the dating game or something. Yeah. Um, and then that just that that sort of vibe of them that room and them sitting and you know drinking some coffee or, or booze or what have you and um, it's really lovely and also that moment I was thinking about another quiet moment as when Mary comes up to Angus as he's waiting outside the principal's office and she's like what's going on he tells her and it's like she just takes his it's just completely silent she mm. puts out her hand i think and it's like they're gonna pray i think right um yeah another just like beautiful beautifully crafted little things like that that to me elevate the movie beyond um you know your typical like quote-unquote feel good or christmas movie um it's it's really just he's he's working on a high level even though it's a little more familiar even if it's not downsizing whatever uh it's it's uh it's it's a it's a high level of you know it's the sort of thing that i think might for some people be overlooked because it's not as it doesn't feel as important as you know a killers of the flower moon or an oppenheimer uh, it doesn't feel like as big a subject it's just about you know three people connecting but to me this is what i I, I want this out of my movies more than that kind of thing. The, mm. the stentorian self-importance. I, I like a quiet character study when it's yeah. especially when it's done this well. So, well, I guess to conclude, um, Paul Giamatti has had a very long career um, mm-hmm. working consistently and a lot of just r- interesting, random character roles. Um, Indeed. I wanted to ask, like, when you think of Paul Giamatti, what's the role that you picture him in? 
because um, I think there's there's one for me, maybe two for me, um, and then you know I think about all the other things he's been in. Can I predict yours? Yeah, go for it. Is it liar liar? No, 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 big fat liar. Big oh, fat big fat liar. liar. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that where he's like painted blue or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. I've never seen that, but that was a movie in kindergarten. Everyone was always talking about. People are always saying "big fat liar." I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah, big fat um, liar. He plays the he plays the like the sleazy studio exec who um, <laughs> picks up this kid's random screenplay and and ends oh. up stealing it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. I I God, I love this guy so much. Every time, you know, there's that movie San Andreas where there's a massive earth. It's like a Dwayne Johnson movie. There's a massive earthquake. Yeah, um, kind of in our neck of the woods. And uh, I've never seen the movie, but Mick showed a clip where Paul Giamatti is on <laughs> some news show where he looks towards the camera and he says that the the reverberations of this earthquake are so large that you will feel it on the coast of new york and it's so it's just the way he says it the way he's able to like deliver this absolute nonsense in a terrible movie um he's just he's just absolutely one of the best um (laughs) but i mean to me his signature movie is is sideways at least up until this this might actually be usurped in some ways not maybe not as a movie overall but i just he's such a delightful character in this he's a little bit he's so pathetic and sideways it's kind of almost hard to watch but that's the one and you know the other movie i love with him um one of my favorite recent movies is private life which is where he Mm. and Catherine hahn played this couple this kind of middle-aged couple who are uh looking to have a child through any means in vitro fertilization at adoption they're sort of trying to figure this out in uh, you know as they as they creep towards middle age and um it's a wonderful movie just sort of a very underseen one of these movies that just gets thrown on netflix kind of and Mm. with no promotion i think it was in 2018 i mean you've probably never even heard of this movie i mean no so i i feel like most people it's just slid under the radar but it's a wonderful it's kind of like the best it's not exactly like Woody Allen. It's a lot warmer than Woody Allen, but it has that kind of New York, you know, it's a certain milieu of like New York semi-intellectual kind of vibe. Um, but similar to this, it's, it's, it's really a kind of a lovely hangout movie. Uh, so mm. shout out to private life uh, and, and with Paul Giamatti. He's, he's wonderful. Yeah, the other role that I see him in um, is the John Adams uh, miniseries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is great. It's a really, really good show. Um, I've got behind me next to Cats uh, and the King's Speech because it's a Tom Hooper. Back when Tom Hooper was the man, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I I do actually really, really enjoy um, the John Adams miniseries, but... Um, he is, I always thought he was a really hilarious John Adams just cause he looks, he looks funny. He's just like a funny looking guy, you know? Um, and to just see him in a wig, like dressed up as, <laughs> as John Adams is just hilarious. I don't know. There's something about it. Oh, I'll bet uh, it's hilarious now. Cause I, I, you know, we watched that in high school. We watched the first episode in high school. Yeah, yeah. I've actually watched the rest of it. And it was like super, we were taking it so serious. At least I was taking it. I was like, this is like brilliant, profound. 
I'll probably watch it now. I'll just be like busting a gut every five seconds because I just know him from all this other stuff. And it's Tom Hooper doing his wacky, like wide angle directing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably just hilarious. I think Tom Wilkinson plays like Ben Franklin in the movie or in the series. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted to see that. I just, I, I should get around to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's, he is wonderful. Um, well, um, anything else to say? I feel like. I don't know. I feel like it's a great movie. It's a great Christmas feeling movie. Is it going to be around in theaters very often or is it going to kind of go It, it go went away? to streaming, but if people know what's good for them, I think they'll keep this around till Christmas because I can just imagine yeah. it's doing well. It seems to be doing well in some of the Berkeley theaters at least or the Bay Area because it's um, you know, they're playing it in the big big screen, the bigger screen. It seems like it's a movie one of these movies that people are like actually rolling out to probably has good word of mouth. Um, and of course it's just, um, you know, fit suits the holidays. So it's, um, I think it's, you know, if you, if you get a chance to see it in the theater, I definitely would recommend it. I think it might be streaming at, at premium prices also, uh, yeah. now, but no, definitely, definitely something, uh, worth checking out. I mean, I, God. this in may december i'm still kind of deciding w- w- would you say this is high on your list is it your number one I yeah mean, i think um i think it's close up there i'll i'll have to think about it but um it's definitely definitely high on my list for sure um i thought it was a really really just wonderful movie all around so happy to report that uh <laughs> uh downsizing did not you know ruin alexander payne for the rest of his career so yeah hopefully just a small blip of you know you know and honestly i'm kind of curious to look at again because i i don't know i just like how could it be that much of a it wasn't like horrible it just was a miss and i and i i'd like to give it another chance because i mean i love matt damon and um I don't know. I'm just like, it's weird that this guy after making just nothing, but basically nothing but net. I mean, he's just, all of his movies are so good. The descendants. I'm not sure if you've seen that. Uh, great. No, I haven't. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, this should be, I can see this being a big, I think it might be a big Oscar movie too. the holdovers. I think Yeah. a lot of people are seeing it and liking it. It'd be really funny if this beats Oppenheimer or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I have I have a hard time figuring out my allegiances here because it's like there might be no one more deserving of an Oscar who doesn't have one, or maybe a more deserving Oscar than anyone than Christopher Nolan. But <laughs> I, mean, I certainly like this movie more than often. You're you're gonna be yeah you're gonna be upset. It's gonna be like uh like The Departed for you, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, it is man. actually a little yeah yeah for a work I'm not crazy about. The, um, I, I I really enjoyed Oppenheimer, and I also really enjoyed Killers of the Flower Moon. I I, I genuinely don't think those were bad uh, bad moments in their filmography. I think you know they're great. So, well, it'll be nice. I'll I'll nevertheless I'll be happy when Christopher Nolan. I I kind of think Christopher Nolan has it in the bag for directing because I'm just like, who else were yeah. they gonna like? They're not gonna give it to Payne for directing. This kind of filmmaking is not. It's not as impressive um, to the Academy. And you know, Scorsese has one. I just didn't, I don't see what other option. Then Greta Gerwig, like, I don't think people really. Well, most people seem to yeah, like. Maybe. I mean, Oppenheimer more than Barbie, I think. Um, so I think Divine Joy Randolph will probably win, though. I actually think that's almost. Maybe I should put my money on that right now because 
yeah i don't know i think who else would it be emily blunt like the color purple cast uh who else is in the running there i mean julianne moore in may december is great but i just don't think it's as as a big of a movie yeah um yeah no it's it's um she would be well you know worth winning so i i wouldn't be wouldn't be upset about that she's amazing in the movie so yeah um yeah uh well, anything else you uh you want to shout out? I I we were talking before about poor things. I think that's the next thing I kind of want to see, but um other than that, this is looking like a somewhat sour year. They were still good. They were still good. Movies, There's always good movies. It's just just inauspicious, you know. Yeah, not yeah. just not the most inspiring. I definitely think, you know, if you haven't prioritized the holdovers in May December, of anything by far um but hopefully we could check out some other we were talking about seeing dream scenario the nick cage movie there's, there's a few yeah. things out there that that look good um and then you know january we got the big movie coming out do you know what the big movie is <laughs> no what could a big movie in january be what it's is a, it? menu plays ear the four-hour frederick wiseman documentary about uh, the workings of a three-star michelin restaurant i'm sure it will be absolutely riveting my, my parents this is like our star wars my parents like like force awakens like we've bought our tickets already for it we know when we're gonna see it mid-january coming up to berkeley cameron <laughs> to see a oh, four-hour it, movie it's in the roxy uh on friday december 22nd oh do you want to see it then? <laughs> you can see it before. I'm not. I don't think so. But when it comes to Netflix as a four part miniseries, then I probably will. That'll never happen. Wiseman <laughs> would never allow it. He's 93 <laughs> years old, and he doesn't uh, compromise on anything. I don't think so. Very exciting. All right. Well, um, I guess with that, I I'm not sure where this throws our. Uh, we were supposed to do. Uh, it's a wonderful life this week um, but we kind of threw out our schedule so um, i'm not sure what we're going to be doing next week uh, but i guess we'll see you uh see you next tuesday <laughs>